Hello again, friends. This is Mike. Welcome to the Tuesday podcast. Today's podcast is going to be about something that has to do with the differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. And I'll explain in a second why I'm picking this topic. It's because it's come up in some recent things I've read and relates back to my understanding of the Bible and how it came about. Here we go. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where it's my goal to help you with questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul, and particularly to help other left brain types like I know I am, ask the right questions in our search for a deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. So here we go. Today, I want to talk about the Bible, basically, I've been taking this course, I mentioned it in an earlier podcast, but I've been taking this course about the church fathers, and I figured if I'm going to be critical of how the Bible came about and a lot of people's belief in the Bible, I, I want to understand how it happened. You know, there's kind of a, a common belief, I would say, that I've come across in the spiritual sense, in spiritual people, or people that think of spirituality versus religion, and that the Bible was a concept created by men, women were excluded. Uh, it, it was done a long, long time ago by really old guys, and it, they didn't get it right, and it was misinterpreted and changed throughout time. And that the Bible, and wrapped into that the concept of heaven and hell, have been used throughout history to control and dominate people, and therefore it's all bad. And I, I don't subscribe to that theory or a way of thinking, although I understand it, but I, I've, I've come to be critical, you know, as I've gone through the soul unleash process, the whole thing is that I've, I've started to question things that I grew up with and paradigms I grew up with and things I always thought were true. And of course I believed in the Bible, but I did not know some of the things I'm about to share with you about how the Catholic church views the, the, the Bible and sacred scripture and how Protestants view the Bible and sacred scripture. Now, I've always known, well, at least since I was became aware of of how Protestants think, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, I didn't have much interplay with Protestants, honestly, growing up. I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Catholic high school. At Catholic high school, this was back in the 60s, 70s, we were pretty progressive, I guess, as far as Catholic schools were at that time. There were Jews and Protestants that were part of our school. It was a pretty large school. We had about 2,500 kids maybe seven or 800 in my class. Anyway, I never came across, though, any kind of understanding or teaching about what Protestants might think about the Bible. When I went to the military academy at West Point, I, I met my roommate, was both my roommates were Protestant. One of them in particular was from South Carolina, a man whom I love and respect to this day and, and, and still in very close contact with. Uh, but, but this gentleman, when I first met him, was surprised, <laughs> surprised I was Catholic and, you know, in those days, when you're a new cadet at West Point, all you, care about, all you care about is surviving and trying to live to the next day and get through all the stuff we were going through. And so, but I remember, his, Kevin is his name, I remember Kevin saying to me, uh, when he said, you're Catholic, I said, yes. He said, well, you know, the, the Pope is the Antichrist. And I didn't know what the Antichrist, <laughs> I know what the Antichrist even was. But Kevin and I had many, many wonderful discussions, and we talked about the differences between, at that time, Kevin was a Southern Baptist, and uh, 
you know, with the difference between our two religions. And I learned a lot, gone through that. So fast forward to today, I, I've, I've studied the Bible, of course. There's always been criticism of Catholics in that Catholics don't understand or read the Bible as much as Protestants do. I interviewed a couple of men as part of this podcast uh, maybe almost a year ago. One of them was an evangelical Christian. The other one was Kevin. And both of them I asked about the Bible. Kevin has read the Bible through, I think, seven, maybe eight times by now. And he, he knows it very well, and, and he uses it as a guide for his life. And not only that, he's used it as a guide for his family and his children, which is, which is wonderful. The other, gentleman, the other gentleman I interviewed, uh, Alan, he, Al, he was an evangelical Christian, and he, same thing, he read the Bible, not as much as Kevin maybe, but was really into it. And Alan in particular said, you know, he believes every word of the Bible, and it doesn't believe, you know, necessarily anything outside the Bible, but he believes everything in the Bible. And I, I remember being struck by that and wondering, is that, is that true? I have, I have trouble believing some of the things I read in the Bible, at least in believing about a just and loving God when I read about all the slaughter that took place in the Old Testament. I'm fascinated reading the Old Testament because of the way that God continuously, <laughs> continuously told the Israelites to wipe out this group and wipe out that group, and they were they were pretty good at it. They followed directions. Um, of course, they suffered themselves and got destroyed multiple times. But there was just a lot of blood and gore in the Old Testament, and and what appears to be a vengeful, to me, appears to be a very vengeful God. Okay, so I, I decided if I'm going to be critical of the Bible, I'll take this course. This course is about, it's produced by a Catholic organization, and it's called the Fathers of the Church. So what this is leading to is my understanding now the difference maybe why the Bible is, uh, I wouldn't say less important, but the Bible is not the only sole focus of Catholics. Now, I did not know this, and this might come as a surprise to some of my Catholic friends, uh, you know, who might say, man, if you didn't know that, you're a knucklehead. Uh, how could you not know that? Well, I did not know this. The, the church basically has three things that it relies upon, the Catholic church, in determining what is, uh, it's called the deposit of the faith. Okay, so it's not just the Bible. The Bible or sacred scripture, synonymous terms, the Bible or sacred scripture is one thing, but the church, the Catholic church, relies on what it calls uh, sacred tradition. And sacred tradition is all the writings of the church fathers and uh, the men who were around at the, at the beginning of the church. You know, uh, not every apostle wrote, you know, seven of them didn't put pen, pen to paper. They talked, they spoke. And so that tradition, that oral tradition, and the writings that came out of that by other men, I'll mention them here in a minute, is what's called sacred tradition with a capital T. And then the third part of this three-legged stool for Catholicism is called the magisterium. And the magisterium is the... Uh, hierarchy of the Catholic Church, but it's a specific group within the church that's responsible for making sure that they get it right. So what are the, some of the things that are differences between, say, sacred scripture, the Bible, and sacred tradition? And here, here are some of the things that Catholics believe that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible. Uh, one is the the canon or the scripture itself, how they put the books together, right? There's a specific way that the books of the Bible were put together by the church 
This is back before there was a Protestant church. But using councils and what they describe as the guides of the Holy Spirit, the, the church put together a, a canon or a book of books that belong in the Bible. Now, there are some differences between the Protestant version of the Bible and the Catholic version, and it, that's how it came about through different councils that included this or included that. This, by the way, is one of the main uh, you know, areas of controversy or criticism when people point and say, hey, you know, they specifically excluded Mary Magdalene or uh, there's a different St. John, I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, they specifically excluded these people. Yes, they did, and that's one of the things that uh, the magisterium and the sacred tradition is makes it different. Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is is a biggie. You know, the Bible contains references to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the, the detailed understanding of the Trinity being one God and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that was developed throughout the early church councils. It's not in the Bible, right? So the writings of the early church fathers eventually came to uh, explain this concept of the Trinity, three, three, three persons in one God. The Assumption of Mary is another one. The Blessed Virgin Mary assumed body and soul into heaven at the end of her earthly life. That's a dogma of the Catholic Church, but that's not specifically mentioned in the Scripture, but it's a tradition that the Church celebrates. The Immaculate Conception of Mary, that's another doctrine that was that she was conceived without original sin, is a belief that has emerged through sacred tradition. You know, the angel Gabriel says in the Bible, "Hail Mary, full of grace." That's that's kind of the scriptural foundation for this this belief. Uh, another thing that's uh, obviously included is as part of the deposit of the faith for Catholics is papal authority. You know that the the role of the Pope is the Bishop of Rome. He's the successor to Saint Peter. He has special uh, authority that's rooted in tradition, and you know it, it's also that he is infallible. He doesn't get things wrong. Uh, the sacraments, that's just kind of interesting. The Bible specifically men- mentions certain sacraments like baptism and the Eucharist, the Eucharist taking place during the Last Supper, but all these other sacraments now that the church practices, uh, baptism, confirmation, uh, penance, anointing of the sick, holy orders, matrimony, those are articulated and explained through tradition within the Catholic Church. So those are the, some of the examples that are, are things that are found in tradition that are not found in the Bible, but they make up the deposit of the faith that Catholics believe in. And, and Protestants, you know, they, they don't believe in most of those things. Protestants do use uh, some of these things, like the, the writings of the early church fathers, Protestants do refer, refer to them as historical Christian documents because they provide an understanding to uh, Protestants and Christians in general about how the early Christians understood the church, how they understood the Bible. So they do use the early writings of the fathers for that reason. Um, many Protestant religions also adhere to specific confessions or creeds. For example, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Augsburg Confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith, those, those documents are, you know, they're not in Scripture. Uh, they're not called the tradition in Protestant faith. But those are, those are, they're not placed above Scripture, but they articulate and kind of explain Protestant traditions. So those are some of the, the things that Protestants believe. Um, they don't call it, you know, it's not a three-legged school, stool for Protestants. It's a, one, it's a one-legged uh, podium, <laughs> which, which is the Bible. But those things also help them understand there are some things that 
you know, okay, so you might ask, what are the conflicts between Protestants and Catholics when it comes to understanding this? Uh, there's obviously some things the Protestants do not accept. The whole Reformation, Martin Luther King brought a lot of these things about, but one of the obvious things is Protestants do not accept the authority of the Pope and the Magisterium. So they reject the concept or doctrine of papal supremacy and infallibility, along with the magisterium, which is the church's teaching authority. The Protestants basically see no scriptural basis for such an ecclesiastical hierarchy like the, the, the Pope and all the bishops and how the Catholic Church is set up, or that any one single person could have uh, authority over the church overall. And they don't think there's any need for the magisterium or some organization to interpret for them what the Bible says and how they should believe it. Uh, there's a difference in the number of sacraments, as I mentioned, between Protestants and Catholics. <clears throat> Protestants also have a, a, a thing with veneration of saints and the Virgin Mary. So they generally critique Catholic practices of praying to saints and the veneration of Mary, basically arguing that that goes beyond scriptural teaching. But but one could argue you know, that that's, again, that comes down to us through the fathers of the church, talking about saints and, uh, and Mary and all that stuff. They also object to use of images in worship, you know, statues and pictures. And uh, the, the Reformation particularly was opposed, opposed to that. Um, so that's some of the differences between the way Protestants view the Bible and Catholics view the deposit of the faith, which includes the Bible. And I did not, <laughs> I did not know or understand any of that. And uh, it's just been interesting as I've come across this. There's one other last area I want to include and that is the concept of transubstantiation. For those of you that don't know what that means, it, it is the belief among Catholics that when, during the Mass, the, the priest holds up a host or a Eucharist, and he says the body of Christ, and then he holds up the wine, he says the blood of Christ. The concept of transubstantiation in Catholic faith is that Catholics believe that, sure enough, that host and that wine is actually the body and blood of of Jesus Christ. Now, where'd that concept come from? It's not in the Bible. So that's another subject that was determined through early church writings and the magisterium. <clears throat> and of course, because of that, it is not appreciated or accepted by Protestants. Uh, I will say, however, in researching this a little bit, Protestants do have, they're all over the map, honestly, in what exactly happens. Because a lot of Protestant churches, especially Anglicans, uh, do have a ceremony where they raise the, the Eucharist, and some Anglican faiths, which are Protestant, do believe that it is the body and blood of Christ. So that's that that is one area they believe. There's other Protestant denominations that believe that well, it's not the body and blood of Christ, it's but it's both. It's the body of Christ plus the bread is there, so they exist together. Uh, same with the wine. There's another tradition, Protestant tradition, that believes that it's body and blood. It's not the body and blood of Christ, but it represents or it means the body and blood. It's a representative or a, a uh, you know, a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. So that that's kind of the the way they look at that. The 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 term, by the way, for the Protestants used for the Bible is sola scriptura. That means scripture only. That that's what they use to interpret everything is just the scripture, whereas the Catholic Church uses the sacred tradition and the magisterium. In this class I'm taking, I'll wrap this up here, this class I'm taking talks about 
Uh, I just finished reading the epistle of uh, St. Clement to the Corinthians. Um, again, I'm, I'm reading this just to better understand what it is I'm criticizing. And, you know, there's some things that Clement says that I don't quite, uh, don't resonate with me, but he wrote this in 96 AD, this epistle. So when you think about it, Jesus, you know, lived to age 33 or 33 AD, and 96 Clement was the, the third bishop of Rome. Now, Clement knew St. Peter. He knew St. Paul. They were contemporaries, although Clement uh, was apparently younger than them, obviously, because by 96 AD, uh, there's no apostles left. But Clement's writing this and referring to St. Paul and St. Uh, Peter. And it, it does make me think, you know, what did... There was no Bible for Clement to read. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't read the Bible to figure out what was going on. It wasn't written yet. And so, uh, or it wasn't put together yet. So what he was passing on in his epistle and in his writings, and same with uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch, another one I'm reading, they were passing on what was passed on to them orally and sometimes in letters from St. Paul and St. Peter and the other apostles. And that's how it was initially done. And so that, that's where the sacred tradition comes from, is these guys writing St. Clement, St. Peter, uh, St. Uh, Ignatius, all these other church fathers, if you will. I don't know who they all are yet because I'm just starting the course, but there's a bunch of them. And, you know, they, they, they tended to write the same thing, which is kind of a miracle in itself because they were spread all throughout the ancient world, everywhere from North Africa to Europe to, uh, to Jerusalem to uh, Turkey. You know, they, they were in all these different parts of the world, but they were writing the same things that they had been taught by the apostles and then the men that the apostles taught. And uh, I find that interesting. But that wraps up things for today. I just wanted to cover uh, that topic because it uh, it came up. I, would, I was surprised, even maybe I shouldn't have been, surprised when I heard the instructor talking about uh, the fact that Catholics don't rely solely upon the Bible. And the first thing that flashed in my mind was my dear friend Kevin. And, uh, you know, he would have gone, aha, I told you, uh, you Catholics are papist idol worshipers. Um, but now I understand better where, the, where that all came from. So thanks for listening. Look forward to joining you again on uh, later this week with another podcast. If you have the time to like this, I'd really appreciate it, or uh, subscribe to the podcast. That just means means it gets spread further and other people can find me easier. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.